0: Hey guys, welcome to The Chalkbox, the gymnastics podcast for gym rats. I am your host, Adri Garcia. Today we got approved for iTunes. So now you can find us on iTunes and Spotify. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram as well. We had a lot of positive feedback through Instagram on our quarantine do's and don'ts episode. And we had a lot of people send us messages and tag us in their stories and post about um, their escapades, doing gymnastics in confined spaces, which was clearly a don't, and we saw lots of pets running through and people having mishaps with their furniture, so please be safe out there. I know with each passing day in quarantine, it is becoming harder and harder to be away from our gyms, to be away from our teams and our coaches, but I hope that everybody's finding a way to connect. I know that I did today, I was able to do a Zoom workout with my students, and Even though we can't be in the gym, it's totally different. Um, We've been doing workouts where I've been incorporating them into the videos. And today I was allowed to see their faces live. And it was just, it was different to be able to connect with them. And it was great to be able to see everybody's face. And it was also great to be able to yell at them to correct their uh, lazy arms and pointed toes. So to each their own, right? Well, today's topic is near and dear to my heart, which is building mental strength. Uh, Over the last 22 years, with each passing year, I am starting to realize how much of gymnastics coaching is also mental toughness coaching. Our sport is incredibly mentally difficult, and it is very important to have your mental game just as strong as your physical game. I have definitely noticed a trend over the last 22 years that in the last five years or so I have had a drastic increase in kids with mental blocks and stress and anxiety and fear problems. So this is something that I wanted to discuss and I thought that the best way to discuss it is would would be with a mental performance coach and I happen to know one here in the Denver metro area. So I decided that the best way to approach building mental strength would be to bring a mental performance, a mental performance coach on. And um, Gail Royce has a company here in Colorado called Mental Edge Coaching. And she doesn't only coach gymnasts, she coaches athletes from many different sports. Um, But gymnastics is one of her primary focus areas. I personally know Gail from a very young age. Um, My mom owns the Denver School of Gymnastics and I was a gymnast and Gail used to own and coach at High Country Gymnastics, so I remember competing in Gail's gym from a very, very long time ago. So thank you so much, Gail, for being here. Hi, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me today. This is going to be fun.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. I think it's a really important topic that probably doesn't get enough uh, attention in our sport. (laughs)
1: you're preaching to the choir on that one <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, well I would like you to introduce yourself a little bit and if you could just tell us a little bit more about your background and how you got involved with mental coaching that would be great
1: okay sure um, as you said I'm a former gym owner and coach my husband and I owned high country gymnastics for about 20 years and I coached little three-year-old preschool kids all the way up through national level competitors during that time and um, And while I was coaching in the olden days, I used a lot of mental skills with my athletes long before anybody knew much about sports psychology or was using it in very many areas. Uh, We did visualization and breathing and all the different kinds of skills that everybody uses um, with sports psychology. Um, But I did it again before many people were using it, and I knew that it made a big difference with my athletes. And so when I made the decision to retire from coaching, I knew that I still wanted to work with athletes, and I really love working with youth athletes, and so I kind of went back to that sports psychology idea and thought that would be a really good thing to transition into. It um, seemed like a perfect fit, so I went back to school and got a degree in psychology with an emphasis in sports psychology, and i spent about the last 20 years working with athletes in the area of mental skills training. So that's kind of how I got into the business.
0: That's awesome. How many different sports do you work with?
1: Um, the last time I counted, I think there were like 22 different oh, sports. Oh
0: wow, <laughs> That would be a long list to rattle off there.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I have everything from figure skaters and divers and gymnasts to team sports, basketball players, football players, and MMA fighters.
0: That's awesome. And I can totally resonate with, from my perspective as a coach, um, coming to it from a fresh angle. I really like the fact that you were on the forefront of it before was really a movement because I feel that I have learned a lot about sports psychology just from coaching. So I feel like a lot of the stuff with breathing and for me, I've learned a lot about using keywords and things like that has really um, helped me get my athletes through some, um, some tough mental time. So I'm really excited to get your perspective on some of these things.
1: Cool, that's awesome that you're doing that.
0: Um, so I have a couple of questions for you. My first question would be that I think a lot of people, especially from the gymnastics world, um, view gymnastics as one of the most mental sports. And I was wondering if you found that to be true and if you agree with that statement.
1: <laughs> like I said, I, I work with athletes in probably at least 20 different sports, and I think they all think that theirs requires the most mental toughness. <laughs> but I think I think each sport has its own set of specific mental challenges, Um, just because some are individual sports, some are team sports, some are one-on-one sports. And so, again, the challenges are all a little bit different depending on the arena and the sport. But I think... I think one of the reasons that people think that about gymnastics is um, because the consequences there are in gymnastics. And I think that overcoming the fear of consequences for a gymnast is is really hard and very mental. Um, As an example, as, as a golfer, if you're a golfer and you miss a putt in a tournament, you get one more stroke on your score the consequences are not particularly huge but if you're a gymnast and you miss a skill the consequences can be a lot more serious you can be injured um, all different kinds of things can happen and so I think that for a gymnast they have to be confident enough and trusting enough in their skills and their knowledge to be able to overcome the fear of not doing it correctly or making a mistake that's going to have those, those bigger consequences. So I think maybe that's why people have a tendency to think that gymnasts have to be superbly mentally tough, which they do. Um, again, because the consequences, and again, it's like that for diving or skating or skiing, you know, the individual performance sports like that. I think it's pretty much the same for all of those.
0: Yeah. I've definitely noticed the, um, this aspect getting a little bit more intense as the kids get into preteen years, as they start to enter the puberty years. And I always remember my dad pointing out the fact that like your risk analysis sort of changes at those ages. You're sort of developing your logical skills when you're a little younger. And then as your critical thinking sort of ramps up, all of a sudden your mind is exploring all of the different possibilities. And then your worry brain sort of kicks in.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You had a smart dad, most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but that's definitely true. And and then the thing is too is is as they are entering the puberty time is about the time that they're moving up, like you said, in the levels. Yeah. And I think it's really hard too. The other part of that is is in other sports you don't have to continue to upgrade your skills as you get better. You know, as you move along, like. In gymnastics, you have to do a kip, and then you have to do a handstand pirouette, and then you have to do a giant, and then you have to do a flyaway, and then you have to do a double flyaway, and every year, you have to continually learn lots of different and new skills, and you have to continue to upgrade, 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 and the mental has to keep along with all the difficulty in those skills, whereas again, like in baseball, you learn how to pitch, you learn how to hit, you learn how to throw. Um, You learn how to slide into the base, and those are the same skills that you use throughout your whole baseball career. You may have to improve on them and refine them, but you don't have to continually learn new skills every year. So I think that makes it tougher on the athletes, too, because it's it's not something that you can just kind of sit back and go, okay, now I know how to do that, because you have to keep continually upgrading.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think that's one of the toughest parts of our sport, but also I think what makes it fun, because I remember when I quit gymnastics for a year in eighth grade, I ended up coming back, but I tried volleyball. And I remember just thinking, oh my gosh, what do you mean? Like I only learned bump, set, spike, and surf? There wasn't a whole lot to do past that. In gymnastics, it's like, well, you know, once you learn a full, you can go for one and a half, so then you can add a punch front. I mean, it just was so many more possibilities. But those possibilities do come with risk, and they are scary. You know, the higher you go up, gymnastics is scary.
1: <laughs> yep, it is, absolutely. So, again, back to that initial question is I think that's why most people view gymnasts as needing to have that that huge, huge mental toughness piece.
0: Yeah. Well, that actually kind of leads into my next question, which is about the individual nature of gymnastics, if it contributes to the mental pressure, and how that relates to the team environment. Because I always find it to be – an odd balance to try to strike with an individual sport but you're also you're still on a team and so i was just sort of wondering if you think um if building a strong team and building a good supportive team environment can help to reduce any of that pressure Hmm.
1: that's a really good question um i never kind of thought about it that way before um i think well as you well know you were a gymnast and you know it's really hard to be out there all by yourself Um, As a football player, if you fumble the ball, there's somebody else to pick it up or, you know, one of your teammates to help you out on the next play, and it doesn't work that way in gymnastics. So um, you definitely are out there, and there's a lot of pressure on you to, to perform. And again, all the mistakes and everything that you do, you have to own totally for yourself. Um, I guess the other way that I look at that, I don't know about the team portion, I'll have to think on that, but the other part of it is that kind of puts that pressure and makes it hard, I think, on athletes or on gymnasts, is also the judging aspect. Yeah. Because you're out there with the things that you trained for 30 hours this week trying to perfect, and you have somebody watching you and criticizing every move and looking for all your mistakes.
0: Oh, yeah. I think the judgment also leads to, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, is the the perfectionism aspect. It's hard not to self-judge or work towards perfection when we actually scale on a perfect 10 (laughs) scale (laughs) and we're being judged all the time. So um, we are going to get that into just a moment. But um, just to quickly touch back on the team thing, the reason that I added that question in is mostly because I've noticed so much. Um, how group dynamics can really affect the way that different groups perform and practice. Um, I've noticed that more motivated teams that tend to get more done and tend to support each other more, it seems to be a little contagious. Whereas teams that sort of maybe gossip a little more or hang around the chalk box right when they should be hitting the bar, their practice habits slip a little bit, and that also tends to be contagious.
1: No, I think you're absolutely right there, and you know, it's a culture that has to get developed in the gym. I don't think that happens accidentally. I think, you know, the coaching staff has to be on top of that, and and the encouragement, and the teamwork, and and the sisterhood, and all those things kind of have to evolve, you know, from the time the kids are little, when they're threes and fours, and they're just getting started about encouraging each other um, during practices, and cheering when somebody makes something, and you know, being there for your teammate when they have a rough day and that type of thing. And I absolutely think that that's a huge, important piece, um, both as an individual and for making your team stronger, too, for sure. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I really enjoy watching the groups grow up together and to see how they, how they develop those bonds.
1: That are lifelong, by the way, which is really cool.
0: Oh, it is, my. as you know, our gym has been open for, for, my parents have owned it for 42 years, and it's so cool to see them come back for reunions and to see, like we have, I had my first grand gymnast come in the other day. I was, <laughs> I was stunned. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, so for me, I wanted to talk specifically about a, co- a couple of the most mental hurdles that I see in the gym as a coach. Um, so I wanted to list both of them to you. And I want you to kind of comment on which one you see as more prevalent in your field. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. So the two that stand out to me the most are um, performance anxiety or meat anxiety. And then the second one would be fear or mental blocks. Which one do you see more?
1: Probably. I- I see both of them most definitely. But I would say um, people come to me more frequently for the mental blocks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's something that I've been working a lot a lot with, especially over the last few years. And just a side note, I have noticed an uptick in mental blocks and fear over the last two years. Is that something that you've observed?
1: Yes, I totally agree with you.
0: Yeah. um, Just from working with these kids and seeing I think that teens in America i have seen so many articles on it and we've experienced a lot of that in our gym as well um, tend to be experiencing an increase in anxiety and an increase in screen time and not you know as much recreational time as they have in past years um, so I do you tend to think that general anxiety contributes or you know anxiety or experience coming from their um, their other life outside of gymnastics Again, a
1: good question. Um, I'm I'm just thinking back to all the time that I coached, which I coached some before I owned the gym. So that was probably 23 or 24 years worth of coaching, and I remember pretty specifically, maybe three or four kids in that whole time that really had a serious block about something. mean, you had kids that were a little nervous to try something or for one night they'd come in and struggle with something, but an actual mental block, I just don't remember that many. And now I see it frequently, really frequently. So um, it's a really good question. It's something I've thought a lot about, too. I think kids these days just have a lot more grown-up things to deal with. yeah maybe and like you said i think sometimes they bring things in from outside the gym
0: yeah and Um, i think they see a lot like some one of the things that my kids have pointed out to me so many times that they see fail videos really yeah like i've asked them like well what do you think is going to happen when you know like why are you worried about that i'll ask them what do you think is going to happen i think i'm going to miss both hands well why would you think that oh i saw this horrible fail video
1: (laughs) Wow, that's interesting. I've not had anybody tell me that before. I find that very interesting. Yeah,
0: I, I've just I've basically forbidden most of my team. Please don't ever watch those.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, and there's so, the thing is about the the mental blocks is it's such a hard area. If I knew the perfect answer, I'd be so rich and famous. Um, you know, it's just it's such a hard thing, and it's so individual to each kid because they can come from so many places. Yeah, um, they can come from them having seen somebody else have a fall, they can come from their own previous fall or almost fall type of thing or maybe an injury. Um, So it can come from those types of things. It can come from having had a really harsh coach Mm -hmm. um, that kind of just laid a little trauma on them a little bit. Um, or it can be something totally unrelated to gymnastics, like you said, some other things that might be going on outside the gym. And it's really hard to pinpoint because the kids don't know even. You know, yeah. once in a while you'll ask it a question, and they'll go, Oh, I remember I went up and I just kind of got lost in the middle of my fall and I didn't know where I was and I crashed. And so then you can kind of work with that. But the majority of the time, the kids really don't even have an idea totally where it's coming from either.
0: Yeah. Another thing that I've noticed on that note is that I've had a lot of kids tell me, well, I'm not afraid. I just don't know why I won't yes. go. And I think <laughs> that it's because it's not their, what they think of as fear. So they think of as fear as like, oh, you know, that typical fight or flight, like a bear's coming at me, that type. They're expecting that adrenaline rush. And instead, I think they just get flooded with, anxiety or like why did I just do that again they get stuck in that frustration cycle so it no longer resonates as fear with them
1: I think yeah I think that's that's definitely one of the things that happens for sure Um, I think the other thing that does happen is from one of those other things the injury or um, the thing outside the gym or whatever that they do have a stressor Mm -hmm. that's kind of impressing upon them it's kind of activating that fight flight or freeze response yeah and and they don't really know what it is either because it's kind of in their subconscious and i think what happens is the brain kind of goes into protection mode and it shuts off the instructions because it doesn't want the body to do something that they think might harm it and so i think they kind of the brain shuts off the instructions and so when somebody goes to do something it's like there's no connection coming from the brain telling the body what to do. And so they really feel like they want to go and they really feel like they're not afraid, but they stand there and you've seen it a hundred times, I'm sure, you know, the arm swing for the back handspring on beam or, you know, trying to run to do the tumbling pass. And it's just, again, like their body doesn't have the instructions telling them what to do. And I think the brain is just protecting them from whatever stressors happen to be going on in their life at that point in time sometimes.
0: I really like what you said about flight or freeze because I think that's almost better description in gymnastics for than fight or flight because I don't think they even understand why they're freezing and I just explained to them like but you are it's okay to admit that you are afraid even if it doesn't feel like that but I think yeah that flight or freeze is almost better for what we experience at least
1: yeah I think so too and there are times where the kids are just afraid and that's you know just a normal thing some kids just don't quite have that that cowgirl in them to step up and do things when it gets to a harder skill and there is some fear once in a while but there's most definitely with most most mental blocks the kids know they can do it or they've done it before a lot of times you know so there's really not a fear there of getting hurt or whatever you know the fear might be I don't think I think again it's just that 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 brain connection isn't working correctly for some reason
0: oh yeah I definitely think especially with back tumbling I've noticed that most prevalently with back tumbling is that they'll already know how to do the skill they've never crashed on the skill and it's just you know one thing happens you know I tripped on a hurdle or I saw my friend crash or whatnot and then all of a sudden it's like that wiring gets shifted
1: yep exactly
0: so do you have any tips for anybody that might be experiencing mental blocks
1: another good question you have um you know, it's, it, again, it's so individual to the kids, um, and it's kind of a long process, but I actually, I have kind of a routine that I have my athletes do, my gymnasts, And it's a combination of some relaxation and visualization and just some reprogramming. And it's a whole thing that we go through that they come up that's very specific to the skill. And it's just a combination of all the skills, using some cues, coming up with some power Mm -hmm. statements, but in a certain order and understanding that by going through that they're reprogramming their thinking. Um, Sometimes that's really, really beneficial and successful and it works really well. And there's other kids that I've done it with that it just isn't the reason why. And yeah. so we have to go on and try something else. So unfortunately, sometimes it's kind of hit and miss with the different things. I know as a coach, you probably, one of the first things you do is take a kid back, you know, several steps backwards. Yeah. Um, you know, like from a backhand spring on beam that you take them back to a line on the floor and do On the floor, and then the low beam, and then with spot, and so those kinds of things a lot of times can help just as much as the mental part of it can. So, again, um, there's a lot of different things you can try, but it just depends on the kid, and it also depends on where the mental block might be coming from, too.
0: Yeah, one of the things that when you talk about stepping back, that I've actually and it took me so long to figure it out with one of our girls that wouldn't let go on her flyaway out of her free hip on the bars. And we tried everything. I tried going back and completely reteaching it. And finally, I got her to go on the low bar. Like, I just, she did a free hip into a flyaway off of the low bar with me spotting. And then it was just like, all she had to do was be reminded, like, oh, I do know how to do that.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. But, you know, and again, that worked for that particular girl and it may not work for somebody else, but you found the right, the right key for her. So that's awesome.
0: Yeah. And then the other thing, I think you mentioned cues um, as far, I, for a lot of kids, I give them a verbal sequence of cues to say while they're they doing the skill to interrupt the analytical mind from second guessing, I guess would be the way to describe it.
1: Awesome. Good. Uh
0: huh. Yeah. So we like, you know, for a back tuck, it's reach, snap, snap, set. And if I'm like, when I'm in a private lesson with them, I'll just say the whole sequence to them the whole time and try to get them. That's like their mantra.
1: Perfect. Perfect.
0: Yeah. Um, and then you mentioned a little bit about relaxation. Can you elaborate on that at all?
1: Um, well we just do at the very beginning of the process that I do, we do some really good deep breathing, um, just to get the body to relax and, and, just kind of check through for any tension or tightness in the body, because when they do their visualization and they do the little process that we do, it's just a little bit better if the mind and body are both relaxed and the brain can go, oh, okay, when she does this, she's relaxed, she's comfortable, she's confident. And so we just try and make sure that when they sit down and to do this session of, of going through this routine that we do, um, that they have that good relaxed place going. So then it hopefully will transfer back into the gym.
0: Okay. Yeah, we've dabbled a little bit in um, meditation. I've had them do a couple of body scans. I even recorded awesome. one. I love the idea of a visualization though. So I think that could maybe be incorporated there.
1: Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And we can, it's kind of long to go into now, but I'm happy to talk with any of your kids or, you know, talk with you and talk you through the process and let you know what that is.
0: Yeah, that would be great. Um, So to go back over to the performance and meat anxiety. So I've definitely noticed these are two, to me, they seem totally separate problems. Um, But what mental processes do you see in gymnasts who get performance anxiety or like get nervous for meats or meat season even?
1: Um, again, you know, it depends on the kid and the situation. Um, I think there's several things. I'll kind of mention a few and you can see if any any particular that you want to speak to. Um, you mentioned the perfectionist thing. You know, I think there's just a lot of kids that are afraid to make a mistake. Um, they're afraid not to do well. Um, mm-hmm. There's other kids that are very worried about the response of a parent or a coach or there's a lot of pressure coming from one of those or both of those places. And the pressure is just more than they can handle in competition. Um, I think there's some kids that just kind of have a genetic predisposition. Tr- predisposition there you go, um, <laughs> towards being anxious just in general, yeah. and you know, gymnastics and competition just kind of makes that a little bit bigger. Um, I think a lot of times they're overthinking the performance and its importance. Um, making it a bigger situation than it is and how important it really is in their lives instead of just kind of staying in the moment and and not focusing so much on the outcome. So I think there's again kind of a combination of those different things and again it depends on the kid a lot.
0: Yeah and I think their progression through the sport too because there have been two this season particularly there were two situations that sort of stood out to me. We had one girl who Progress. Actually, now that I think of it, they both progressed through the levels very quickly. So they didn't get those years and years of competition yeah. experience of good meets and bad meets and, you know, you can't win them all type of attitude. And I just noticed that they have over time in the beginning when they were because they were both very talented athletes, you know, when you're at the lower levels, they were really, really excelling and getting really high scores. Um, But they were naturally more apt to do those skills. But then as they move up through the levels, everything becomes more difficult. They might not have the muscle memory of years of the foundational skills. So the skills become a little harder for them. But they also have that expectation going in that I should be getting 37s. I should be getting 38s. Um, And it's not happening for them at these higher levels. And, you know, it's it's they're developing a performance anxiety based around the expectation of performing how they did in the lower levels.
1: Yeah, I definitely think, yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, I think the other thing with that too is, is we always talk to the kids about, you know, getting outside your comfort zone
0: Yeah. and that's
1: how you grow and you get better. But I think sometimes when they go through the levels really quickly like that is they don't ever get comfortable and confident in a comfort zone (laughs) yeah you know and they get pushed out of that zone to the next one and then they're just sort of barely finding their way and they're not really quite comfortable and then they get pushed out of that one into the next one and I think by doing that that the confidence doesn't get built up then either
0: yeah yeah exactly experience and the confidence and they just sort of expect themselves to do you know much yeah much stronger than not realizing well like what I was explaining to one of the girls is you didn't get (laughs) Four years of tap swings (laughs) so your tap swing needs work I know it sounds really boring but that's what that's what we have to do now um but yeah and then just sort of touching quickly on what we did what we talked about earlier as far as the judgment aspect the judges it's I think that contributes a little bit to the performance anxiety the score itself is intimidating to them
1: Oh, absolutely, because again, like I said, you've practiced and put in all those hours of training all week long, and you can go be your very best, and if somebody doesn't like the way you did it, or they they focus more on dance and you're better on your skills, or they focus on your skills and you're better on your dance, that, that you know, you have no control over what that judge is going to do, and I think that makes it that makes it really hard, and it's just hard to go get yourself critiqued. Yeah, <laughs> you know, every every single week and again, I think the kids one of the things I work on with the kids is is that the judges are really looking for them to be awesome and amazing. And they're waiting to be wowed by somebody who goes out and just does a really good job because I think the kids see it the other way. They're just sitting looking for my mistakes. Yeah. You know, they're, they're putting the pencil down and trying to find all the things wrong with it. So we try and, and talk about how, no, the judges really love it when they get to see a really amazing routine. And that's what you have to go out and do is show them that routine so that they get so excited about watching it that they forget to put their pencil on the paper and put anything down. I think sometimes that helps.
0: Oh, yeah. And I think that's a great point for beam. I definitely noticed at some of the lower levels on beam, the kids really hold back. And I think that's reflective of what you we were saying about being afraid to make a mistake and thinking they're looking for the mistakes. And I just told them, like, oh, my gosh, if you had done what you do in practice, <laughs> you know, show them <laughs> what you can do.
1: <laughs> so did you always do in competition what you did in practice?
0: Um. I know when I was in the lower levels, I always laugh because I think I was a spaz <laughs> when I was really young. Like, I remember, actually, I think I was at your gym at High Country, and I remember doing the compulsory floor routine, and I accidentally did the level five front tumbling pass instead of the level four front tumbling pass, and I, in the middle of the back handspring, I, like, realized that I was supposed to be doing a back extension roll and, like, dropped to my knees. <laughs> So I was a little out there, but um, I remember I made Sharon (laughs) Weber laugh at that time. She was a strict judge at the time. And my mom was like, oh, my God, you made Sharon laugh. (laughs) So I think I was sort of, yeah, checked out a little in the younger (laughs) years. And then I know I hit an odd spot in middle school. I I, I did the vamp up thing. I ramped up. I progressed through several levels between fourth and seventh grade. By seventh grade, I was a level eight. And I think I did... I mean, I was learning really fast. My learning curve was steep and I was doing well. Um, But I think I remember being scared by some of the big skills and my body was changing so fast. I was learning giants and straddlebacks and overshoots and it was just all a lot and my body was changing and I had so many hormonal things going on. And like I said earlier, I, I really did break down. But for me, it wasn't performance. For me, it was just it was all too much. So I quit for a year. But when I came back in ninth grade, it was more for myself. And I had a lot of catching up to do after being out for a year. But um, for me, for some reason, I was one of those kids. My pra- it probably pissed people off because my practice habits weren't always the best. I remember goofing around with my friends. I mean, I got my stuff done, but I also remember being yelled at to do so. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I always rose to the occasion in meets, though. I I'm kind of, like, thrive under pressure. I like the pressure, I guess. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Which is kind of strange. But yeah, you see kids like that though. You see kids that like live for the competition season that, you know, I feel like I was a little bit like that. Like, you know, you're coming up to meet season, you know, eight to 12 weeks ahead and all of a sudden their practice habits get like way better. (laughs)
1: I guess it's better than the other way around.
0: <laughs> I guess so, but as a coach now I don't <laughs> as a coach now I don't appreciate that, you know, you're oh we're six months out and you're being a slacker. I don't appreciate that as much now. <laughs> I probably would have oh, driven God. myself crazy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't you wish you could go back and compete now with all the things you know having been a coach?
0: Oh, absolutely. I feel like I could have been a genius. I feel like you learn so much of as you coach. <laughs> so much. It's amazing. Um, Okay, so the very last thing I wanted to ask you, since everybody's stuck at home, I've been, you know, talking to my gymnasts. They're like, we're working on our conditioning. We're working on our flexibility. And I really want to send a message that gymnasts can still work on their mental strength when they're out of the gym. Do you have any tips on things that they can do while they're at home to work on that?
1: Absolutely. And they're all things that nobody really wants to sit and do. So this is a (laughs) good time for them to be doing it. Yeah, um, visualization, obviously, is the single most important thing they can be doing right now. And again, it's not fun to sit down and visualize, but it's so important to keep that, like you said, the muscle memory and that Mm -hmm. that mind-body connection going. So if they can, whether it comes from you or the kids get together and figure out what to do, but if they have a particular visualization practice every day, like maybe Monday is Vault Day, And so they visualize their drills, they visualize the vault they're planning on competing, um, maybe the vault they did last season, but they just have a a particular number of things they're going to do, and then the next day could be bars, and they could do their last year's bar routine, and then they could visualize what they hope next year's to be, and then do some extra handstand pirouettes or whatever it is that they happen to be working on but have like each day be a particular event to work or whatever um but to sit down with the plan because if we just tell them to sit down and visualize they'll do two routines and then they're done
0: yeah
1: Um, but maybe to visualize like a whole rotation of a workout like what would you do in workout
0: I think that could be something that could be led to, like, I'm thinking in terms of the way they do group immersion meditations. You could all jump on a call together and do, like, a group immersion visualization. Mm -hmm. Oh, I really like that
1: idea. Yeah, you could do that. And then, again, you said you've already got them doing some meditation stuff. Um, Sometimes we just call it quiet breathing Mm -hmm. just for five minutes, just to quiet the mind down and just work on your breathing or they can actually do um, Headspace or Calm or both really good apps that most of the kids like to do they can do some things like that um, I'm trying to think uh, the other thing to make sure that they do is to, to kind of think about themselves as mentally tough athletes. One thing I have my athletes do, no matter who they are, whether it's my MMA fighters or my figure skaters, is they're supposed to start every practice session with saying I'm a mentally tough athlete five times.
0: Oh, I love that
1: so they can start their day out, they can start their practice out, right now they can start their visualization out, they can start their stretch out, whatever it happens to be and just i am a mentally tough athlete and say that 5 times and then for right now when they're out of the gym at the end of the day ask themselves a couple of questions was i mentally tough today? Not necessarily just about their gymnastics, but you know, were they impatient? Were they crabby with their parents or did they get through the day being pretty positive and knowing that they're going to get through all this? Um, somewhere along the way here and just ask themselves the question was I a mentally tough athlete today was I a mentally tough person today and then the next question is is how can I be mentally tough tomorrow
0: I love that so much because I think so much of this goes back to again at this age they're also constructing their identities and I talk to my athletes all the time about what is the story you're telling yourself so for my kids that balk you know, they'll balk and they'll balk. I don't know why I'm doing it. I just keep doing it. I say, stop right there. Listen to the story that you're telling yourself, you know, or they'll say statements like, oh, I'm just a mental case. (laughs) I actually, (laughs) yeah, one of the things that I have them do is I have them name the little goblin mental case that lives in their head. So they all have a little name and I just tell them, okay, so... I even named my own just so that I could be in on the joke. Mine is Paranoid Pete's. Paranoid Pete doesn't like to watch kids balk. So I just tell them, we have one, her name is, hers is named Doris. Doris, Doris is not invited to beam practice. So anytime that she's having those types of thoughts, we just say, okay, that's Doris talking right now. You need to, Tell Doris she's not invited to be in practice, and then we like alter their story. What's the story we need to be focused on? I'm That's a mentally a great tough thing a, to do. Yeah, I'm a mentally tough athlete, you know, I love that. I think it really is central to the way that they see themselves and the stories they tell themselves.
1: Well, and it gets to be a habit, too. If you say to yourself, "I'm a mentally tough athlete to start your day." or to start every event that you go to or whatever it just programs your thinking for that and then when something comes up that you're struggling with dealing with that little voice in the back of your head is going to go come on you're a mentally tough athlete you can do this and it's going to talk to you that way without you having to think about it
0: oh absolutely i think the power of words is incredible well I just wanted to say thank you so much I think this was an awesome talk I'm really really glad that we were able to make it happen today even though we had some technical difficulties
1: (laughs) good job figuring those out
0: (laughs) thank you (laughs) I'm a mentally tough podcaster
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. yeah got a good disciple already
0: Good yes (laughs) awesome well thank you so much Gail I'm really grateful that you were able to take this time and talk to us and um, yeah we maybe someday down the road can do it again
1: Great. Yeah. And thanks for inviting me. And it was awesome because it made me have to think about some things in a little bit different way in anticipation of your questions, too. So helped me out a little bit today, too.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much and have a good quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Adri. You too. (laughs) Bye. All right. (laughs) Bye-bye. Inside my mind, steep deep in the afterlight, Watch you watching the colors rise Summer twilight, skies on fire Never wishing I was somewhere else Held on to you like tight. Getting through it when it hurt like hell Feels like the only thing we've done right It's a star, it's a light, it's a signal fire It's the sound of your voice cutting through the night It's a song, it's a note, it's a quiet sigh Keeps me dancing through the static, everything's alright